0: G'day, this is an abridged version of the episode that you can hear in full by signing up at uncomfortableconversations.substack.com slash subscribe. Enjoy the freebie. G'day humans, welcome to the safe space for dangerous ideas. You know, sometimes this show uh, is frivolous and light. And, uh, you know, we talk about things that are of no consequence, like uh, the fate of human civilization, whether or not we can talk to each other anymore, Uh, how to treat our political enemies, what the the right way to live a moral life is. And sometimes when I'm discussing these uh, frivolous issues, I think, wouldn't it be nice to get my hands dirty dealing with the really important stuff of life, the nuts and bolts? And that's where uh, today's uh, guest comes in. Uh, I shouldn't really even call him a a guest. He's an interlocutor. He's a a co-presenter, if you will. A friend of mine, a work colleague, Robbie Armfield, This is the first installment in uh, perhaps the last last, uh, as well. Uh, You tell me, uh, uh, tell us whether you like it or not, of uh, a segment I'm calling The Deep Questions, where Robbie comes up with uh, an idea, something that he's been noodling on, something that's been bothering him, something that's been causing some anxiety in his life. And he says, uh, Josh, old uncle, old pal, uh, I don't know why you'd call me uncle, uh, I want your advice about this. And so I I thought the two of us should flesh out. A very, very deep question on the show today. Um, Before we get to it, I'd love your thoughts about something that's been vexing me and the listeners on my ABC radio show, which is an article by a flight attendant writing pseudonymously, because of course she would be, because it's a terrible argument that she's making, saying that she's sick and tired of families with children on planes uh, behaving as if uh, they run the joint just because uh, they have children. She says she's sick and tired of warming up uh, milk bottles for them. She's sick and tired of them uh, demanding things like, oh, my child needs food in between the designated meal times. And most of all, she's sick and tired of them assuming that other passengers tra- traveling alone might move so that the family can be accommodated together. So I kind of want to know from you. Are you also upset, do you resent uh, having to accommodate children on a plane? Now, now, trust me, I know as much as the next person how annoying children are on planes. In fact, I believe it was old Josh Zepps who came up with the idea of on busy routes, a certain number of flights should be completely child-free. And this was when I was flying between New York and Los Angeles a lot. I was like, the, the flights leave every half hour. At peak times between like 4 and 7 p.m., why not just say the flights on the hour are for everybody and the flights at the bottom of the hour at half past, those are just for grown-ups, no one under 18. That's it. Same with between Sydney and Melbourne. Wouldn't that be great? And they'd be highlighted there on the the airline. This is a child-free flight. I would love that. When I'm flying with my children, trust me, no matter how annoying they are to you, they're even more annoying to me Now, I know that I'm the one who chose to have them and I have to cop that, but a little bit of conciliation would be kind from the flight attendant, unlike the one who wrote this stupid article saying that she doesn't even assist families anymore in asking fellow passengers to swap seats. She says, well, what if the passenger had paid for an extra legroom seat? And, uh, you know, they're asking to essentially be downgraded. What if the passenger's in an exit row? What if the passenger has a hidden disability that uh, you can't see and you're actually asking them to swap seats and maybe they wouldn't even be able to bend their leg uh, in in the seat that you're asking them to swap to? To which I say, well, if any of those things happen, then obviously it would not be reasonable to expect that person to move. But, would it kill you to assist in just asking the person if they'd be okay to move from the same seat to the same seat? I'm not saying you go from a, an aisle seat to a window in the middle I mean to a, to a middle seat in the middle No, or you know it has to be window to window aisle to aisle, maybe even an upgrade where you're going like uh, you know you're going from a middle seat to an aisle seat. That would be fine I don't think the person should have a worse seat but Is it unreasonable to enlist the assistance of a flight attendant in just politely asking somebody to move? Like, it's the airline that has split the family up in the first place. Like, it'll frequently be the case that there are no free seats left to select on a plane. A lot of planes, it'll be, you'll go through the booking process, and if the plane is three quarters full already because you're booking something for next week, There are no seats clustered together. And if there are, they want 20 bucks or 25 bucks to select the seat. I've just paid for the flight. There are four of us. I'm not paying 80 bucks outbound and 80 bucks return and an extra 160 bucks on top of the flight just so I can sit somewhere. If I'm making a booking with grown ups and children under the age of like, you know, eight or whatever, if the airline can see that there is a three year old being booked with a grown up. The airline should be allocating seating so that the three-year-old isn't in row 67 while the grown-up is in row 15 by the automatic seat allocation system that you get if you don't want to fork out the money that they're extorting from you to pay for the seat when you've already paid for the ticket. So if the airline can't manage its IT system such that families aren't getting split up, and if the check-in agents and gate agents can't take care of it, then by the time you get on the plane, if you're all over the place and you've got your... I don't know, autistic kid who's all alone back in row 147J, then would it kill the flight attendant to assist you in asking other passengers if they wouldn't mind moving to a comparable seat or even a superior seat so that the family can sit together? I don't know if I'm crazy here, but uh, I just thought it was out of line. I thought she was out of line and she should be fired, frankly. You can hear that whole conversation. We did talk back on this. Uh, Just me and the listeners for a whole half hour uh, on the ABC website. It'll be in the upcoming newsletter for Uncomfortable Conversations. Uh, When you subscribe to the Substack, the free version, totally free, totally free, you get the newsletter, and that links to uh, these conversations, and then with a single click, you can hear that. I can't post ABC content on this show for obvious reasons. It's the ABC's Intellectual Property, whatever I do on the air there, but I can direct you directly to that segment, which is archived, which you can listen to and enjoy. Uh, after the fact, in my newsletter, which you can get uh, by subscribing for free. Uh, so that was one of several fascinating conversations that we recently had, another of which uh, was with Emil Sherman, who's been a guest on uh, this show, Academy Award winner. It was the afternoon of the Oscars, and he was sort of pulling back the veil on how the politics of running an Oscars campaign works from the studios and the producers' point of view. Like we, you know, we sometimes think of the Oscars as being this, you know, there's a selection process and there's a rhyme and a reason to it. And these they are almost like judges in robes adjudicating the the Hollywood's best output. And of course, it's not that it's a it's run like a political election campaign where movies and studios are all vying and bribing and schmoozing and peddling influence. And uh, Emil is a voter in the Academy, as well as having won an Academy Award for the King's Speech. He was nominated last year at the Oscars. He was there with Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, which he also produced. Um, He produced Heartstopper on Netflix, a huge producer. And so it's fascinating to talk to him about how Hollywood actually runs in the lead up to the Oscars. So you can also hear that on ABC online, the link to it, a single click from uh, the newsletter. Uh, from the Uncomfortable Conversations newsletter. Uh, But uh, enough about me. Uh, Let's talk about Robbie's deep questions. Uh, Please enjoy this inaugural uh, premium episode of The Deep Questions with Josh Sepps and Robbie. So, Robbie, what deep, important uh, issue have you brought to me? Um,
1: The notion of defecating in a public space. A toilet specifically.
0: Right. And that would be, when you say public space, I'm imagining some kind of uh, uh, like a public square out in the open.
1: I mean more an, an airport. That's right. I'm on a public space, an enclosed toilet cubicle. An enclosed toilet cubicle. And your issue
0: is what exactly? Whether or not you...
1: Well, I have issue with doing it there, essentially. Right. Um, but I seem to notice other people beside me in the adjacent cubicles not having that problem at all. And I've been wondering about their confidence and how they manage. What's the to, problem
0: that they're not having?
1: They're they're able to defecate with ease, um, loudly, proudly. Right, it comes out. Uh, Do you easily. have a?
0: Is yours not? It doesn't function that way.
1: Um, well, we all go through different periods, Josh. I mean, you know, there's there's hard, there's soft times. Um, right. I generally can go quite well, quite readily. There's yeah. not there's not a huge issue, but. When it comes to, I, mean, I guess, so I, I get stage fright.
0: But that's what. But this is a well-known. It's a, like a well-known thing that sometimes a gentleman will be standing at a urinal and will be, and someone else will come in, and then they'll get stage fright and they won't be able to wee. And I always thought that had something to do with them being self-conscious about the size of their wiener or something. And they you know, there's like that. But it, but it's it can be fickle with urine. But I've not found the same phenomenon at the other end. And you're saying that you, because uh, I was, I'm unclear about whether you're saying that you you can't instruct your sphincter to do what you want it to or that you're too polite to put your neighbour through the auditory and olfactory chaos that you're about to unleash on the world?
1: I'm too nervous to put my name to the noise. Um, do you normally submit your name to the person in the next stall? I'll usually say... Depends how much of a good time you want, I suppose. I want everyone to be comfortable, so I'll usually announce who i am on entry to any sort of public space yeah be it a toilet be it a s- square yeah i don't know if you do that do you do this by passing a note under the toilet stall or by announcing it loudly it'll be a note it'll be um i don't know <laughs> you, you can airdrop photos so right. i usually airdrop my face to people yeah. nearby so they know who they're dealing with. Just no that, but yeah. in all
0: seriousness it. in all seriousness you have a problem
1: yeah uh i sit down i can't do
0: it Oh, well, I I don't want to. You don't want to do it. I don't That's want to. That's the thing. To. You're being polite to them. You're saying, are we all living in a savage world where we're inflicting upon our co-pooers the sounds and smells of our poo? Hmm. I thought this was very sweet and quaint of you hmm. because I, I thought it was nice to think that there's a lot of volition in people's pooing. Like I generally am of the opinion, I'm of the assumption when I go into a toilet at an airport, or in a public place, or in a town square, uh, the, the person who's doing the poo is probably in... Like, there are other places they'd rather be. I, I they, think... they probably don't have the choice to pucker up and keep waddling along. They've probably gone, I've had a burrito, I need relief, and this is the place to find such relief. And they're not thinking about me, I don't think. Choice is a really great topic to bring up.
1: But I also think location is one to bring up. Location, location, location. Mm. If I'm at an airport or I'm at some random park toilet, I'm more ready (sighs) to let rip. When Mm. I'm in a workplace that I care about my vocation here and I want to maintain that sort of the veneer that I am professional and know what I'm doing, that can all be thrown asunder by a rogue fart or a sort of just a, a bad way of letting loose of that. Um, feces, you know, I I understand that. You know what I'm saying? So, um, basically there's, it seems like nobody
0: else has that problem. (laughs) Right. They're Happy to be in the So you're, I'm I'm hearing that you're impressed. You're actually impressed and maybe even nay a little jealous of other people's impunity when it comes to letting it rip.
1: A little bit. You don't
0: understand why you're the only one who has to abide by this, this moral code that you've built for yourself in this castle in the sky inside (laughs) your brain. That's right. About when you're allowed to poo and not. I feel coy. I feel coy and
1: I feel mm. like I need to keep up appearances, quote yeah.
0: unquote. Quote, he's literally doing air quotes, ladies and gentlemen. I'm doing air quotes. So let me ask you this. You're walking down the uh, the hall at uh, you know your work your place of work and you go into the toilet and it's a multi stall toilet, right? And you go in needing to do a poo, one of the doors is closed and occupied and someone's shuffling around. Do you walk straight out again? <sighs> I will go and sit
1: because hopefully if they've already been in there and the door's shut and I'm not hearing anything, I'm presuming they're about to wipe. So they are right. soon to be.
0: So you go and sit and wait. You'll wait like a nervous little birdie um, for them to leave. A little, a little nervous nest is what I will
1: sort mm. of make for myself in the cubicle. While you're air dropping them photos of your face. On my face, um, full torso if need be. Mm. Uh, I, no, it,
0: I do sit there for a second. I will. and I know what you mean. I do that. I do think that moral code, I think that's a code we all share. Yeah, I hope so. I don't think you'd get in, I don't think you'd go straight in sit down next to someone in the cubicle next to you while they're trying to be polite and then let out a big ploppy, you know, I think you'd hold it for a while, wouldn't you? As long as you could to be polite in the hope that they're going to get up. But isn't it awful when they don't Oh, and the two of you are in a Mexican staring (laughs) contest and you're both there quiet. It's true. I feel like I have to make some noise. I think so as well. Like the, and
1: you, sometimes I check if there are, there are feet. Because yeah. they're so silent.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I can be that So then silent. you're peering underneath the, well, in a not at all creepy way. <laughs> no, not all. Peering <laughs> underneath <laughs> to see if there is a human in the stall next n- to you. N- n-
1: in no way would I want to see anything more than just the, the corner of the rubber of their shoe right. or something like this. Like would
0: it make a difference? So let's say you're going through and then you see and then you go in and you look at the shoes and mm. you go, that's like, that's Josh Zepps's shoe. Or it's uh, it's like Steve Ahern's shoe, <laughs> who's the general manager of ABC Radio Sydney. Does that change the calculus versus? oh, you know, it, it's just someone. It's just a, that shoe would have to belong to a Gen Zer. I don't care about them.
1: Ah, you know what st- I mean? Is status. it like
0: status thing? I would want to impress the. I would want to impress Steve. <laughs> I wanna, He's my boss. I'm confident. I don't want to. No, so you I would am go confident. for the fart. I am confident. I, I can, was thinking you'd be polite and not do it if your boss was there. But you, you're saying if your boss is there, you go all even further. You go all in. I am. I you am take me. a laxative in the morning and then you follow him in just to prove that you don't care. I think both can be true, right?
1: You could sit down. You could notice the status of the person, and you could either be the polite, quiet, coy, or you could you wanted to show you want to show face that you are one. To let rip
0: in a moment that requires it. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you know what I mean? I Both do. can be true, but not in your case because it sounds like you have a problem with you controlling your sphincter when you're nervous. But I, nobody
1: else seems to. I sit down to other people. I sit down next to other but people. This isn't about other people, Robbie. This is uh, about you. I know. This is about your inner Do
0: you know turmoil. what I mean?
1: Do you do? You, do you find this? I mean, no. so you sit down, but you're ha- you're happy to just go? No,
0: I'm not happy. Okay. I'm not happy. Right with myself. You're not happy, but you'll do it. I don't enjoy it.
1: I'd rather not not
0: poo at all, Robbie. I don't know know. why we're, you know, why, I don't know. (laughs) Why are we talking about this? Yeah, why are we talking about whether or not we like, well, that's not true. There is nothing nicer than having needed to go and not having been able to poo and then suddenly being able to poo. That's great. But I'd like to be built in such a way that I never had to poo. (laughs) You've got sort of some sort of sack.
1: <laughs> well, I'm not
0: <laughs> wishing a colostomy bag on colostomy myself, bag. but I'm just wishing, that, you know, I don't understand. When you say, am I happy to sit down next to a total stranger and let rip a, a big poo? No. Big and also it's really bad if it's, I mean, I don't want to get too graphic, but it's really bad if it is on the softer side and I've and there is some problems going on in the tum-tum, yeah. then you don't, There is something deeply undignified about the...
1: There is. It's fascinating to me how much it's sort of still... It still has a taboo to it, it feels like to me. It does. I mean, we're talking... It's the last taboo, some might say. We're pre-recording this because it's not fit for... It's not fit for It's not fit for anything.
0: (laughs) Just so (laughs) that the listener is aware of this, Robbie suggested that we have this conversation on public radio... (laughs) with people calling in to try to adjudicate whether or not they, too. I mean, this is almost too dirty for uncomfortable conversations, let alone for ABC radio. I maintain it's a good idea, but that's
1: okay. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to do this right now. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> so, yes, I'm embarrassed to sit down, especially if it's if it's noisy or malodorous in a way that's unseemly. Yeah. But I'll do it because what what other options do I have? Like once you've sat there, bloke next to you doesn't move, you're there for three minutes. You're like, stuff this for a joke. What, you get up and leave? I'm telling you I've done it
1: and I'm telling really? you I don't feel good about it. Where do you go? I go and I wash my hands and I flush what like What happens I've... to the poo that's inside you? It's It remains stagnant. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. It turns
1: into a stillborn mess. Wow. And it... it Screws me up. Yeah. But you know, you get, you flush, you pretend like you've done something. I, if I, if I need a wee, I'll do a little wee and I'll pretend like I sit down to wee, which some people do. That's fine. Yeah. I don't
0: really do that, but right. I will
1: pretend like I do in this situation. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: It does. It does make sense. So you, you have to feign being a uh, German who likes to sit down away? The, the Europeans are big across... Uh, oh, so do they, they do actually, that? Yeah, they're yeah. big in Germany. I think it's someone... We've done talk back about it before and I think it has something to do with the fact that the water level in the toilet is higher. Okay. So uh, there's more splashing yeah. if you stand up. Okay. Uh, and so the Germans can get quite, you know, particular about that. I really upset a German bloke. Well, we were uni students and he said the condition of this house is you sit down to go to go to the toilet and I was like, well, that's fine. You're allowed to have that rule. It's not one that I'll comply with. I didn't say that, but I didn't comply with it. And then he came in and he must have been crawling around on the, flo- on the floor on all fours to spot the, because I'm a pretty clean guy. It wouldn't have been a lot of spray, but he would have noticed them. And he came out and he said, did you, did you not do it? I was like, yeah, no, I don't sit down to do it. He was like, I made, I made it very clear. Is this for the rules? You sit down to God's to the toilet. How did he bring this up with you? In first moment, I walked in the door. Did that strike you as odd? Yes. That's why I didn't comply. <laughs> but, I mean, the other problem with the big, the, the high watermark there is your location...